This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by FingerTech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out FingerTech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. FingerTech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From Bill Gates' underground Microsoft lair, as we develop the latest injectable DNA-altering nanobots, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our recap of Season 5, Episode 4 of BattleBots. We have no guests this week due to the holidays. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time now for yet another round of Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 24 people participate in Snap Decisions. There were four who called six out of the seven fights correctly. That group includes friend of the pod, Lindsay Yuriko, Cameron Hutton, Jesse Mullen, and Travis Arp. However, we had two people with perfect scores calling seven out of seven fights correctly. Those two people are Corey Schweinhardt and Joseph Sommers. Congratulations, Corey and Joseph. Send us your mailing addresses, and we will send you a Behind the Bots sticker pack. Congratulations. All right. Uh, if we take a closer look at the data, the sure shot last episode was Chomp versus Gamma 9, with 22 out of 24 people calling it correctly for Chomp. The biggest upset was the main event. Just eight people called it for Bloodsport, while 16 people predicted incorrectly that Endgame would win. All right, let's run through this week's fight card. I am really looking forward to hearing your predictions. Kyle, are you ready? Chris, Lindsay, are you prepared? Emotionally, physically, mentally? <laughs> um, yeah, I did pretty well last week, so I'm feeling okay about this week. You did, Kyle. Uh, five out of seven correct, which I think is uh, is pretty good. Pretty pretty good for, for our group. It's like my personal best this season, so... Nice. Well, let's see how you do this week. Um, first up, Black Dragon versus Claw Viper. Your thoughts on this match, Kyle? If it were any other year, this would immediately go to Black Dragon. But with mm. the driving performance that we saw in Black Dragon's last fight and the amazing driving performance that we saw in Claw Viper's last fight, clearly I have to give this to Claw Viper. Um, extremely fast robot. It's got four-wheel drive instead of two. It's got a lot of pushing power. It's got a lot of lifting power. I think there's going to be, you know, if it goes to the judges, it's going to be close, but uh, I don't think it's going to go to the judges. Hmm. Uh, your thoughts, Chris and Lindsay? I do not know, uh, personally, the order in which the fights were filmed throughout the recording season. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, though, that Perhaps Black Dragon had an opportunity to go back into the pits and try to solve some of the issues that they were clearly having. 
uh, in their first match. So I am going to stick in the uh, Black Dragon camp. Okay. Lindsay, your, your thoughts? Uh, this one is tough, but based on the driving performance of Claw Viper in the first episode we saw them in, I'm going to go with Claw Viper. I don't feel great about it, but I would love to see them win, to pull out a, a win against a bot like Black Dragon. Um, I am on the fence about this. I agree that the, the driving from Black Dragon was not as dominant as uh, we had expected. Um, but I guess my only question, and feel free to weigh in on this, is, is Claw Viper really well optimized for vertical spinners um you know like i can see it being a horizontal bar breaker um but with black dragon constantly in its face in theory you know um kicking up a bunch of sparks like trying to to get at that that big wedge um will we see you know a much better performance from from black dragon um any any thoughts on that yeah i I mean, we haven't seen all the configurations of Claw Viper at this point, right? But mm. even if they just go with those two front fork lifter ends for the vertical, I mean, that that gives them a keep away stick. That gives them something that they can like keep their bot away from that weapon while they push around Black Dragon and manipulate them. True. Okay. So I think that they are perfectly suited for a vertical spinner. I think they've actually got a bit of an advantage over that configure over a vertical spinner than they would over a horizontal. I am really on the fence, um, and I think I'm going to go Black Dragon, uh, and I may, I may, I may, uh, I may regret that. Okay, uh, next match on over to Ghost Raptor versus Jackpot. Kyle, your thoughts on this match? Oh, tough one to call. Um, I mean, what we saw with Ghost Raptor was a working robot. What we saw with Jackpot in its first match was not a working robot. That said, uh, Jeff Waters knows how to get a robot that's not working working. I'm going to have to give it to Jackpot just because, you know, I think we're going to see him pull out another win with this thing. I think it's very likely um, just with how big that weapon is and how powerful it is. And this is assuming, you know, this is filmed later on when he's had enough time to kind of get the bot operational again. Hmm. Interesting. Chris, Lindsay, your, your thoughts on this match. Uh, my money goes on jackpot just because of the, uh, the vertical weapon and that, that tremendous reach that they have. Okay. Right. Lindsay thoughts. Um, so I'm looking at the, the photo of ghost Raptor now and, and it, it appears like they do have a pretty far reach. Um, one that might rival that of jackpot, but, Oh, I, uh, I'm going to, this is hard. This is hard, but I'm going to go and not think too hard. And I'm going to say jackpot. Okay. All right. I am going to also say jackpot. Um, all right. Oh. Over to Grabot versus Sub Zero. This will be our first look at Grabot. This this grab uh, this this grabbing bot with two arms um, and and little attachments, and Sub Zero. You know our um, tried and true kind of tanky flipper um, from Texas. Your thoughts on this match, Kyle? Uh, I have been a big proponent of Grabot as the new meta this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so this pains me to say that uh, this grab up will one day be the new meta. Do not get me wrong. 
But um, Sub-Zero has had a chance to dial it in now. They've had one fight that they, you know, debatably did win, arguably. So I'm going to have to give this one to Sub-Zero, even though uh, my heart wants Grabot to win. Chris and Lindsay, I know that you have a, a special place in your hearts for, for Sub-Zero and uh, Team Captain Logan Davis. Um, so are you sticking with Logan for this match? Flip, yeah. <laughs> yeah, going with the fellow IBMer, Logan and his bot, Sub-Zero. I'm really excited to see Grabot, though. I'm, like, really excited to see Grabot. So uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm really excited to hopefully see it flip. 15 feet in the air. <laughs> uh, I, I would echo the sentiment in saying that um, I love seeing new concepts go into the box. Really looking forward to seeing, you know, this this new concept from Grabot. Um, this patented technology that, you know, the, the team is trying to commercialize. And so they are putting it into the battle box, you know, to put it onto a big stage. However, just given some of their their arena test footage, um, the bot didn't seem as nimble as, as you want to see, especially with a zippy little bot like Sub-Zero. And um, Sub-Zero is just battle battle tested um, with Logan, you know, behind the sticks for, for over a decade. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm also going to go Sub-Zero. Um, all right, our match number four, big one, huge versus Hydra. Why is it in the middle of the fight card? Your thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, why is this in the middle of the fight card? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you were pointing this out before the show. The, the fight card is split in some countries and in some markets, right? So uh, this is the main event for some people watching the show. But um, that said, how is this going to work? I know that the folks on... Um, Bronco put a lot of thought into how a flipper could fight a bot like huge. I don't see the Waiachi folks putting that much thought into this. I think they're going to put their wider flipping arm on and they're just going to go out there and try to flip huge. Um, that's going to be a really weird match to watch. I'm going to give it to huge though. I mean, I really, I think that they are just well suited to take out flippers, any flipper. Okay. Chris, Lindsay? I, I agree 100%. I, I don't know what really Hydra could do other than, again, like Bronco, throw on a few rhino horns and a, uh, a couple of uh, shoulder pads from Legion of Dune circa WWF 1980s. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that huge with its ability to kind of continuously climb over Hydra and disregard a lot of the flipping power just because it doesn't have that... Um, you know, it doesn't have too much for, for, for Hydra to really kind of uh, get a hold of. It, it, my vote is huge. Okay. All right. Uh, Lindsay, your, your thoughts? You know, I hate to keep going with the pack here, but uh, my, my vote is clearly huge for this fight. Um, it's interesting, though, that the producers are giving huge now two chances to get yeeted or, or flipped out of the arena. We didn't think it could happen when we saw them fight Mammoth. We didn't think it was possible for, or we thought it was going to be unlikely for Huge to, you know, actually get a wheel suck or part of itself suck outside of the arena. And it did happen. So I think there could be a chance, but I, I do think 
you know, Mammoth probably had a better shot at that than than Hydra will here. So, uh, so I, I, I'm sticking with Huge because he is so humble. I will say it for him. Luke did think that uh, Huge was going to get yeeted out of the ring in that match. So keep that in mind. I did. I did. Yeah, and I also predicted that Chomp was going to uh, burst that bubble on Gamma Nine. So so far, you know, like in terms of like stretch kind of predictions, I'm I'm two for two. But you're right. I I am very humble about it. Um, I think I'm going to break from the pack and I'm going to say that Hydra will take this match. Um, I am a huge, huge fan, obviously. Um, and uh, I think that Hydra will bring a wedge configuration to this match that um, that is going to surprise us. I, I, I think that we're going to see a much taller wedge, something super tanky. Um, and uh, their their goal will be to to stop that that giant blade on huge, and um, and try and try and flip it on its side or something like that, um, because we know that this is the fourth match. You know, it, it is going to be pretty explosive and pretty interesting to watch. So I'm super stoked to see this on Thursday. All right, on over to Aegis versus Fusion. Aegis, brand new uh, flipper bot, um, and Fusion had some teething issues in its first match, but we're seeing Wayachi bots back to back, which is pretty exciting. Your thoughts on this match? Ooh. Um, so Aegis is a completely unknown entity. Um, so that makes this particularly difficult to call. That said, I could not imagine the Wayachi boys going into this without figuring out whatever caught them on fire last time and fixing that issue. So that said, I'm going to have to give this to... Um, the Waiachi boys, just because I don't know if Aegis is going to work. Okay, okay, that is a that is a fair question to ask, uh, Chris and Lindsay. Your your thoughts on on this match? Yeah, um, I I think that well, Aegis kind of looks like a, a Ninja Turtle that's that's like uh, been withdrawn into a shell, and uh, you know that that shell itself looks like it's some kind of reinforced Kevlar or something. Does anyone really know what that? But that's comprised of, I think it's like a Kevlar resin kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a resin composite, and Kevlar is the main fabric material that they use for it. Yeah, you know, I I, I would just have to say against Fusion, uh, you know, when that thing looked when I'd imagine when that thing's working right, those are some pretty gnarly weapons that will um, disregard some of that material as armor and find some of the soft uh, gooey bits on the inside of this of this turtle. We're going to see some turtle soup, I think. I love the way you phrase that. Disregard that material as armor. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chris, very diplomatic. Chris is a classy gentleman. Uh, Lindsay, your, your thoughts on this match? So my, my general rule of thumb is if a bot is ever fighting for the first time, um, I'm going to assume it's going to have teething problems and have a difficult time winning. I don't ha use that rule for everything, but uh, general rule of thumb. Uh, and since Fusion has had one fight under their belt um, and they've driven it more in, in the box than they had you know, prior to coming to this, they got some of that experience under their belt. I'm going to assume that they've somewhat fixed what was going on in the first match and, uh, you know, hopefully better luck to Aegis in its second fight, assuming uh, that's what happens. But that's uh, that's my prediction. And Lindsay, oh, just, to, 
add to that point, I mean, I think that the only real good exceptions to that are bots that are new bots, but the team members are not. You know what I mean? Like Malice um, won their first fight, but at the same time, Bunny's been on how many teams before? Mm. Uh, same thing with Claw Viper. So I think that, you know, it's fair to say that um, the Aegis being a new team as well as a new bot, definitely you're going to want to put the, the bet on the Waiachi column. Right. Um, I'm going to say another clean sweep. Uh, fusion for me. We are either all going to uh, to have perfect predictions this week or we're all going down together. Um, okay. Uh, two more matches left. Big Dill versus Lockjaw. We have, uh, this is a really interesting matchup. Um, obviously a huge amount of experience in Donald Hudson and Lockjaw versus Big Dill, which had a pretty convincing win against Adam94 earlier this season. But it's a new bot um, and, you know, obviously doesn't have a huge kinetic weapon. Your thoughts on this match, Kyle? Um, we still don't have a whole lot of information really about Big Dill, right? We know it was extremely well driven in its first fight. Uh, we know that the weapon worked the whole time. Um, and we know that the designer slash team captain is a prolific guy who does great work. But here's my thought. Could Lockjaw beat Warhawk? Mm, okay. Yeah, I think they could in almost every single circumstance. Big Dill is so similar to Warhawk in so many ways without that high kinetic weapon. I cannot give this to Big Dill um, just kind of knowing what I know about if I saw a Lockjaw versus Warhawk match. Mm, okay. Chris, Lindsay, your, your thoughts on this match? Um, uh, I'm going to give it to Lockjaw, a uh, veteran driver, veteran bot, um, and, uh, not afraid of a, a nice push and pull grapply match. I'm going to go with Lockjaw, but I think there will be smoke. There will be smoke. <laughs> Do I get um, extra points if, uh, we see smoke? <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> I feel with Lockjaw, I mean, you know, voting, you know, betting that there's going to be smoke is is usually a pretty pretty sure sure bet. Um, I am going to give it to the the big Dill, and I think that um, similar to my Hydra prediction, I think we're going to see a big plow come out um, in in this match. I think we're going to see a different configuration. Um, my guess, and I have no evidence. I have no inside information, but my guess is that Emmanuel is going to uh, going, going to going to bring something pretty tough, you know, for for this match. Although I guess in theory, I mean, Adam ninety four has kind of a similar weapon to Lockjaw, so maybe we would see the same configuration. I don't know. Technically, Adam ninety four's weapon is bigger and heavier than Lockjaw's, so you know. Well. Um, I think in the last couple of matches, I mean, we've seen some reliability issues with with Lockjaw, and seeing how this will be its first match of 2020, I don't know. All right, I'm going to stick with it. The big deal. Not feeling super confident about it, but uh, but that's my prediction. All right, Luke. Luke, if uh, if Lockjaw ends up uh, pulling it off, I j I just don't want to hear you brine about it. Ah, bravo. That's very good. Um, all right, and finally, the uh, the main event, Kraken versus Witch Doctor. First off, thoughts on the main event. Um, should it have been Huge Hydra? 
you know, why do you think that it's a uh, Kraken witch doctor? Any, any thoughts there? Uh, here's my thought. I am super pumped for Matt Spurk and the Kraken team that they get a main event. Totally. Um, they've been grinding. They've been pumping it out. They've been giving us great matches every season they've been here. Um, so, yeah, I'm super happy for them. I think that's great that they get a main event match. It's another all Florida main event, which is great. Uh, <laughs> your, your prediction, Kyle, on, on, this, on this, this match? Whew. All right. Um, I mean, I have to give it to Witch Doctor. Um, mm. Mainly because Witch Doctor's been pretty reliable this season so far. We know that uh, the damage seems to count heavier. And we also know Witch Doctor has that really awesome self-writing skeleton top armor that's like hole free and you know like a solid chunk of ar 500 um which would be very hard for kraken to get through so i'm gonna have to give it to witch doctor but if this is a main event i can only imagine that this is going to be an awesome match mm, okay chris Lindsay, your your thoughts yeah my, my thought is in that same vein with these two bots uh, in particular as the main event my guess is that something might explode um, and that'd be that'd be cool, as long as everyone's safe, of course. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say, uh, likely whoever's gonna donate that explosion, it's um, probably gonna be the one that uh, doesn't have a high velocity vertical spinner on it. So I'm gonna give it to Witch Doctor. Okay, all right, Lindsay, your your thoughts on the main event. I'm giving it to Witch Doctor, but my my biggest hope is that whatever happens. It's a clear win, uh, and that you know if it goes to the judges for whatever reason that they don't break Matt Spurk's heart again because I literally am not over the first match yet, mm. um, and so I hope whatever happens, it's it's painless and and, uh, and you know everyone can <laughs> go on afterwards. For the sake of the memes that Matt Spurk will produce if he gets another bad judges decision, I actually want that to happen. He's been producing some great memes. I, I must hand it to him. He's he's been doing a great job. Apparently, he's had them like made since the week after filming, and he's just been saving them this whole time to just like throw out when they are necessary and ready to go. So that's why he's able to get them out like within minutes of the match happening that the memes are about. <laughs> I really like the one uh, where they're all in heaven, and it's like duck and blacksmith and kraken <laughs> every time there's a controversial decision another bot gets added and they say we've been waiting for you <laughs> yes <laughs> i think that we are we are going to see another controversial judge's decision that goes in witch doctor's favor for the main event and i think that we will see a second kraken up in the clouds you know <laughs> inside of that meme um and uh yeah i just just the way that the judging has come down this season, Kraken will have to score a knockout to win. And if this goes all three minutes, and these are both incredibly tough and reliable bots, I just, I don't know, my, I'm worried that we, we may see another controversial decision this, this week. But we will have to see. Um, interesting uh, predictions. We, we all kind of predicted kind of similar so i i'm curious to see how how the how the listeners you know predict them uh this this week so uh if you'd like to to, to get in on snap decisions watch for our facebook post on thursday
Time for this week's Combat Robotics news. I have three news items for you today. First up, BattleBots this week released new details about their spin-off show BattleBots Bounty Hunters, which launched Monday on the streaming app Discovery Plus. We'll get a total of 12 one-hour episodes of BattleBots Bounty Hunters, with the first four episodes currently available on the app with Legendary Bots Ice Wave and Bronco. The remaining eight episodes will be added in two more waves later this year, unclear exactly when. If you happen to have a Verizon Unlimited plan, Discovery Plus is free for the first year. For the rest of us, the app will cost $5 per month with ads and $7 per month without ads. Both plans have a free seven-day trial, so you can, in theory, sign up, watch BattleBots Bounty Hunters, and then cancel before the seven days is up. In a post on Facebook, BattleBots writes, quote, we know that some of you don't like the idea of extra BattleBots content being behind a paywall. Please know that these 12 Discovery Plus bounty episodes were a very real win for BattleBots and the bot building community. Without them, we might not have been able to stage the 2020 season at all, for it was only by combining the investment of both broadcasters with that of our distribution and merchandising partners that we were able to create what turned out to be an incredibly expensive production. Our costs were substantially increased because of all the COVID protocols, delays, safety measures, team quarantine costs, the lack of any audience ticket revenue, etc. For us, we're still trying to figure out how we're going to cover BattleBots Bounty Hunters without spoiling the fights, knowing that not everyone has signed up for Discovery Plus yet. So we'll probably record a bonus episode and put it out later this month so you can avoid spoilers. Your thoughts- $5 for that bonus episode, by the way. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Um, Your thoughts on BattleBots Bounty Hunters. Um, Did you get a chance to to watch it so far this week? I mean, we're recording this episode on Monday, so the the app just came out this morning. you know, uh, did do we do we get ch- uh, a chance today to, uh, to to check it out yet? I have not gotten a chance to check it out yet. I did have to make a spoilers thread for it yesterday because apparently, if you signed up for it on Amazon, you could get access to it yesterday. Um, so that was an annoying thing that I had to create a spoilers thread early. Uh, but the spoilers thread is going to be up indefinitely. Like all discussion about. Um, about this show will be on that thread on the Facebook page, and that will be just where we talk about that show. Um, I'm really excited to watch it. I haven't decided which streaming service I'm going to get rid of for the time period to do it, and I don't want to wait until all the episodes are out and do the seven-day trial thing. That feels like cheating. Kyle, I'm, I'm really surprised. So I, I also didn't get a chance to watch it earlier today. It was it was a work day. Um, but I'm hoping to, to, to watch Bounty Hunters this weekend. Um, how popular has the spoilers thre- thread been? Like, is there any indication how many people were actually able to uh, to catch the the episodes um, when the app launched on on there Monday? Were, there, it's not as active as the as the episode spoiler threads. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, there were, most of the spoiler thread conversation was around how people in other countries can get access to the show. Okay. Um, which is always the challenge, right, with BattleBots in general, but especially now because Discovery Plus is, you know, you have to have a United States-based account and payment account for it as well. So it's it's a little bit challenging, I think, for folks in other countries to get. I'm sure that's something that BattleBots distribution is working on because they love getting the content into other countries, so hopefully that gets fixed. Um, 
but yeah, the people that have watched it were speaking very highly of it. Um, so that mm. it, that bodes well. Apparently, the matches are really good. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we could do like a little private watch party this this weekend, just just the uh, the four of us and uh, and check it out together. Because um, I'm really curious to see if the format's the same. I have so many questions about it, and I have managed to avoid all the spoilers. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about watching it fresh. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a cool concept and um, any competition where we can put more money into the hands of the builders is is all right in, in my book. Amen to that. Um, I also, I was reading something interesting in the comments um, where people were going on, you know, about not being able to access it in the UK um, and uh, who, I assume it was Greg, but someone using the BattleBots Facebook account chimed in and said, that in the past that they've um, been able to get the show out to over 134 countries. And then unfortunately this year they couldn't get the UK to sign on because um, no distributors wanted to pick it up because of apparently how poorly Robot Wars uh, did in the ratings. And so they didn't want to take a chance on, um, on uh, BattleBots, either the show or the like, you know, uh, extra content like Bounty Hunters. So uh, Alex, I don't remember his last name, and I'm really sorry. Uh, a, a guy named Alex said that um, they want he wanted to take like a change.org petition and make one of those so that way if they got a ton of signatures, they'd be able to show networks over in the UK that there's a lot of interest. And it looked like Greg had responded in saying that he loved the idea, and it looks like now they're working together to try and make this petition happen. Um, so I'm hoping that it does. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I, you're never really sure how much good or, or how much change these petitions, um, are able to enact, but it's something, and I, I'm hoping that it does lead to, you know, more distribution in the UK because it, it really stinks that, um, our friends across the pond can't access the show. Absolutely. Alex Hazlitt, yeah, leading the yeah. charge for uh, for change.org. Um, yeah, and I, I guess, I don't know, I guess the question is, uh, would it be disingenuous if I was to sign that, that change.org petition because I'm not British? And, yeah, but uh, we want our British friends to, you know, get content, robot fighting content. Yeah. Um, I just looked up the, like, last couple of seasons or I guess series is what they call them. I have to speak British when we're talking about Robot Wars. Um, of like their ratings for the last couple of series. And it's interesting. They really did like move their time slot and put them in a place where they would not get um, the ratings that they, they probably deserved. So they went from a 1.2 million viewership in their second run to a 745,000 person viewership um, by the time the third series and the new series came out, that's terrible. I feel really bad for them. That that should not have happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious, you know, how how BattleBots has has done, you know, since Robot Wars um, shut down. You know, I know that there's been talk about trying to make BattleBots more regional. You know, maybe we would see a BattleBots spinoff just for the UK. Um, and would that, would that connect more with, with the viewers? Um, if they saw like pretty much a completely European lineup, um, of bot builders and bots, um, 
Interesting. Interesting question to, uh, to ask for sure. For sure. Let's check in now with our friends from Malice, who this week revealed it costs them $87,689 to build their robot in time for the 2020 season of BattleBots. About half of that money, roughly $43,000, went into the bot's two frames, which were machined out of billet aluminum under a very tight time frame. Drive cost $18,600, weapons cost $9,800, and the remaining 16,600 were spent on hardware, batteries, travel costs, and miscellaneous parts. The team notes that their expenses were on the high end with some robots like Jackpot spending less than $5,000 on their 2020 build. Um, I know this has been like one of the most talked about posts online of the week. Your thoughts on this super expensive build from, from Malice? I think there's someone walking around with $50,000 in their pocket. <laughs> I think that Bunny's got to get a better printer because, you know, that swag should not cost that much. I know she's got a lot, but dude. I, I don't I don't think that the, the merchandise was part part of this, you know. No, probably or... not. That was probably a whole separate kit and caboodle that she hasn't disclosed I, yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally, I totally understand now why post, uh, post like a malice fight, there is so much raw emotion happening during the interview, and oh that is gosh, simply yeah. because just like just like when you see someone who is betting their life savings on like black, right? They're gonna yeah. they're gonna get they're gonna get like emotional whether they win or they lose. I mean, it seems like they have everything riding in this pot. Like literally, someone might even have a college education jammed <laughs> into this thing, and they just they got their fingers crossed that this up that this bot's gonna pull through. And, uh, you know, so far it's, you know, it's been fortunate for them. Um, but uh, I, I, I can see now why it's, uh, it's just such an emotional roller coaster over there. I mean, every single member of that team, if, if they split the costs evenly, and I don't know if they did, are, are putting in more than $10,000 each. And that, that is, that is, that's a steep kind of ask. Um, I don't care how wealthy you are or what job you work dropping 10 15 20 25,000 on a robot where you know you're going to go into battlebots and you are not going to recoup those costs you're doing it just for the love of the sport just for the love of the tv show i i can 100% get why um, there's so much emotion you know with with that team I mean, the theory is is that they they're doing this so they make a name for themselves and they get sponsors for next season, All right? Like that's that's the goal. Um, and so far, Malice has become a name in the BattleBots community for sure online. And their first showing on the actual show was great. I think they are probably going to be able to roll in some sponsorship dollars uh, when they if and when they come back for sure. Let's say that that 2021 Malice costs half this amount. Let's say it's $40,000, um, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. You're talking about 120 grand. <laughs> and there's no way you're ever going to get that back from sponsors. You know, like send, cut, send isn't going to drop you a $100,000 check. Like they, this is, this is absolutely like a, a labor of love for this team. And I think the, their greatest hope in 2021 is they will not lose as much money um, but still, it's a super complicated build and really expensive. Um, I don't know. Like for for me, 
you know, as as a super fan, I feel like like I've been scratching around the edges of like trying to understand the psyche of the average BattleBots builder. And it's it's posts like this where I, I you know, like it's really clear that there's this giant gulf that I still don't understand. Like there's this big leap um, when it comes to really putting your own finances on the line um, when it comes to a sport that you really love. I can't imagine spending $86,000 on anything. And like to, to, to put that out there, I mean, I, I just a lot of respect to, to the team, um, you know, really kind of putting, putting their money where their, their passion lies. And they built a beautiful bot. I mean, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And it obviously performs very well. So yeah. Speaking of money, I'd like to close out this week's news by encouraging you to join me in donating to a new GoFundMe campaign organized by Scorpios co-captain Zach Lytle and Diana Tarlson. Zach and Diana are raising $10,000 to reopen Bot Bash Academy, their summer camp robotics program in the San Francisco Bay Area. We'll include a link in this week's show notes or head over to Scorpios' Facebook page for more information. All right, let's switch gears and get into our recap of episode four. Originally broadcast on Christmas Eve, and appropriately, the episode had four predictable matches, three upsets, two something-somethings, and a controversial judge's decision in a pear tree. Uh, let's get into the first predictable match, and one that seemed oddly lopsided, Tombstone versus Slapbox. Um, in this match, we saw Slapbox Captain Bryce Yankaskis, um, you know, just come out and say it, uh, why me? <laughs> you know, like, if, if, can you imagine uh, going into the box as a 14-year-old and you are competing against somebody who has been in the game for more than 14 years in Ray Billings and Tombstone and uh, just kind of kind of entering knowing that, uh, that it's going to be a tough hill to climb. Um, you know, this is the earliest that we have seen Tombstone face a complete rookie in their seasons ever on BattleBots. Um, you know, in 2019, Tombstone faced Lockjaw, Sawblaze, and Rotator, you know, before they saw their first rookie in Gruff, which is really like a pretty tough little tanky bot that's that's been around the block a lot. And then faced Quantum, obviously, you know, built by the, the Cooper brothers, um, really, really talented roboticists. And the producers gave them Slapbox this but built by a family um, and, you know, with just a couple years uh, under their belts, pretty interesting choice there. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts there. Um, I'm curious about, uh, about this, this, this pretty tactical match. Um, you know, we saw Slapbox get taken apart piece by piece um, over the course of a little more than a minute. Um, your, your thoughts on, on this match. Hold on. I want to check something real quick. Do you doubt my statistics, Kyle? Yes, yes, I do. You do? Okay, Kyle. What? What do you? Where? Where do you think I got it wrong? Um, Counter Revolution, twenty fifteen season. Okay, twenty fifteen. Everybody was a first timer. All right. I mean, yeah, but you wouldn't call Tombstone a rookie in twenty fifteen. You know what I mean? Okay. Since Tombstone became the king of kinetic energy, Kyle. All right, <laughs> slapbox in in its second episode ever. All right, like it's a strange match. 
<laughs> Ray Billings was was also sixteen in twenty fifteen. <laughs> uh, yeah, no Counter Revolution. He won that match in thirty seven seconds. Wow, that's fast. Interesting, and that was Counter Revolution's only BattleBots match. Which, if you've ever seen that match, it's pretty understandable why they they were, didn't have much of a bot left afterwards. It's it's an interesting choice, though, Kyle. Right? I mean, like. <laughs> Of, of all the robots that Tombstone could face for its second match. Well, it, it, to me, this looks like um, this looks like uh, uh, Robo Games, right? Like every single Robo Games match that you see on YouTube now, anyway, the ones that like you know people go back and look at is um, a rectangle with a lifter on it or a wedge versus last rights. Um, so I'm sure they were like, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's have a robo games match and we'll see how it goes. Uh, it went like a lot of those robo games matches went with tombstone or last rights, just utterly destroying them. So, you know, it was fun. All right. That's fine. I mean, like we're, we're all connoisseurs of, of fine combat robotics, uh, <laughs> matches. but for the average discovery cable watcher, they're like, why is tombstone facing the colorful kids robot and just watching it like <laughs> with the children's handprints all over it. Oh it's god. A strange match, Kyle. <laughs> that poor girl said no, please no. <laughs> that was the saddest thing I ever saw. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. I mean, it is really fun to watch Ray Billings be Ray Billings and that's probably why they gave him this match. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I predicted Slapbox was going to win because I felt like perhaps the producers knew something that we didn't know. You know, like, this is a really tough bot. This is kind of like top top of the field for the rookies. I really do think that Slapbox still still is 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 pretty interesting. Like, I, I watched, like, their, their post-fight kind of breakdown with Tale of the Tape this week. Um, and and talked about how tough that that robot is. I really am, you know, looking forward to seeing seeing this robot again in the box and um, perhaps facing, uh, you know, not a top four robot for their for their initial fight ever, um, which seems seems a little odd. I, I do want to say real quick that if I were the team behind Slapbox, I would be extremely proud of how I of how I performed. I mean, in the beginning of the match, they really had Tombstone kind of on the ropes, it felt like. Um, they got a few good knocks in. Tombstone was kind of flailing about. And you know what? For your first outing, your, or your first season, your first match against Tombstone, I mean, that's kind of the, the best you can hope for. So I'd still be proud. Well said, Lindsay, and I totally agree. All right, uh, on to our second match of the night, Slamo versus Pain Train. Um, in this match, we finally saw hashtag justice for Craig. This is Craig Danby's first televised win on BattleBots. Before this, he had won just one other match in an untelevised 2018 tag team with Petunia, where they earned a judge's decision against Bale Spear and Double Dutch. Craig's previous robots, Predator and Foxtrot, were also lifters and grapplers. And it seems like the third time's the charm for this design concept. Slamo is so much more powerful than his predecessors. And we saw that in this match with Craig picking up Pain Train and doing a full suplex with ease. For Pain Train, of course, tough first match. Looks like the team had to work out a couple of kinks um, before their second match in the box. 
your thoughts on Slamo versus Pain Chain. Oh, I was so happy to see that suplex. Slamo, I I love uh, Craig Danby. I think Slamo is an awesome robot. Um, I think that it's top 16 material, and I have since I saw them compete in Orlando. I was so happy to see this match go well for him. And him slamming on the glass after that suplex was the happiest point in this episode for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say, like, on the other side, Evan's story is really interesting from, from Pain Train, you know, um, kind of telling this story of somebody who's always loved robotics, who got into the sport relatively late. And, you know, just this time last year was building his first beetle weight and now is, is competing on BattleBots. It's pretty remarkable. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, he's a story of, of the importance of representation of diversity when it comes to the types of builders. Like not every single person is a, um, you know, experimental physicist or, you know, a rocket engineer. Um, not every single person is is a AI roboticist, you know. Um, you can have a love for the sport, really throw yourself into the sport and compete on BattleBots. Um, and I, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing Pain Train kind of work out these kinks because if we see the kind of, of driving, you know, that, that we see in the kind of insect bait classes with Evan, um, you know, it's he's going to put on some really great TV uh, this this season. Evan said on his page, what was it last week? I want to be the most aggressive driver in combat robotics, um, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I think that we're going to see a blood sport style transformation for Pain Train into next season when they come back, where you know we're going to see him figure out all the things he didn't do right this season and bring back a different, more powerful, more drive-centered bot for next season. You know, that that seems pretty apparent. Yeah. I also think that his story is not the opposite of Malice because, you know, Mal Malice has worked for a while to get where they are. And so I don't want to just say, like, oh, they have an expensive bot and that's why they're there. That's not my <laughs> point. But I, right. I do think that, like, a lot of people who I saw in the comments uh, of Malice's post were like, oh, well, well there goes my dream of ever building a robot because they think that like it has to be that expensive and you have to have that many years of experience and you have to, you know, have the whole like kitten caboodle. Um, and I think pain train and, and Evan's story shows you that there are so many paths. And this is something that we have emphasized time and time again over the, you know, last year and a half of, of our podcast, there are so many paths. And so if you see something that feels, you know, um, like it's a gate for you or if you feel like there's something that you know you, you don't think that you can overcome i mean to to get into the sport there are so many stories now of people who have been like here i'm gonna forge my own way and i'm gonna figure it out and i think that's a story of pain train and i think um it, it should show everybody that if there's a will there there's a way if, if you if you want it hard enough absolutely Lindsay, that's a good segue into our next match, Scorpios versus Perfect Phoenix. These are um, two teams that really are super active on the insect weight circuit, building beetle weights, competing with ant weights, um, and really uh, coming up through the sport through through these lower weight classes. Um, this was also our first upset of the night. You know, most of our listeners had predicted that Perfect Phoenix was going to win, um, and we really saw 2011 technology 
in the box against 2020 technology. Um, Scorpios, just an absolutely dominant bot this season. Um, they really took some serious damage in their fight against Bloodsport, and they came back in top form. Like they fixed that robot in the pits and came back with something that was just dominant and agile and was able to really bully Perfect Phoenix around. Um, and achieving the knockout in two minutes. Um, so your thoughts on, on this match? I guess the producers continue to give them overhead spinners, so um, that's, a, that's a choice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, your, your thoughts on Scorpios versus, uh, versus Perfect Phoenix? Uh, the match was great, um, but my favorite part of this entire part of the episode was Zach's promo where he said Tyler may look like a cute kid, a nice 11 year old, but he's actually a monster. <laughs> um, that was hilarious and so accurate. And I love the genuine look of fear on Zach and Diana's face when they <laughs> were talking about having to face him. It reminded me a little bit of that episode of the twilight zone, the uh, back from, back from the fifties where like all of the adults are scared of like the one kid who has like superpowers. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I mean, they they have faced Tyler. I mean, they've seen Tyler's driving at Robo Games. Tyler um, would travel out to California to compete in events where Zach and Diana were there. I think Zach even said on on the show that he served as a judge for 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 some of Tyler's matches. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's certainly a known quantity, and you know, taking home. A top prize at at Robo Games is very difficult to do, and and Tyler has those. So um, so yeah, absolutely. Do not discount um, the driving ability of this this eleven year old. All right, on over to Mad Catter versus Ribot. I um, I really want to say like I want to start off by saying I love Ribot. Um, you know, David Jin and his team they had this special segment where they showed how they had built sensors inside of their robot to give them kind of a diagnostic look at um, temperature and, and kind of other data points inside of their robot um, and display it on this seven inch touch screen where um, they could get kind of a real time look at exactly what's happening inside of the robot, which is really pretty cool. Um, I think like the, the thing that um, is really interesting about combat robotics is that you take these mostly off the shelf parts and push them to their absolute limit. You know, normally when you buy a lipo battery and, um, you know, a, um, an ESC and a motor, uh, and you put it into a remote control car, you're able to drive that car happily for many months. Um, and you know, they're pushing them to the limit so that they burn out in three minutes and 10 seconds, you know, and all they need to do is just keep it alive for three minutes. Um, and so it's, it's pretty cool to see like these sensors and diagnostic tools inside of, inside of robot. Um, but you know, all of that tech was not uh, enough for them to kind of achieve the win here um, because it came down to a classic driving rap, uh, driving match. And Calvin Eba is hands down, um, one of the top Beetleweight drivers in the country right now. And we saw that on display, like he was driving Mad Catter like it was a Beetleweight, um, which is which is pretty remarkable. Um, so your thoughts on this match, Mad Catter versus Ribot? I thought uh, Calvin's driving was on full display in this match. Um, you know, these are two drivers that have uh, competed against each other before at the smaller weight classes. 
and um, you know you you see you see a lot of the same dynamics playing out. Calvin's driving was incredible, um, and the match went the way of the better driver. Oh yeah. Martin Mason is a national treasure. Like that, you know, protect him at all costs. Like he is, he's so entertaining to watch. Um, and I, I hope that he keeps coming back to battle lots. Good, good in small doses. I would say <laughs> good for, <laughs> good for a, good for like a, a sound, sound bite. But, uh, <laughs> but I, do, I do look forward to every time he fights though, yeah. uh, because I know win or lose, you're going to get a show. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, on over to Chomp versus Gamma 9. Finally, our first time seeing 500-pound Walker Chomp. So excited about this match. This was the match that I have been waiting for um, for the entire 2020 season. I, I am more excited. I was more excited about seeing Chomp than really any other robot this, this year, and it did not disappoint. Um, you know, Chomp... You know, coming out looking like like a like a John Deere tractor, <laughs> massive with these these six teeny tiny super cute little metal legs, and um, when Chomp came like prancing out of the starting square, like I just my heart melted. Like the those legs, I know that the bot is not cute. It is a it is a it's a killer killing machine, but just the way that it moves, like I just absolutely love this this robot so much um and you know really performed great you know essentially this robot's two independent robots right you know hull and turret and the turret is just incredible that that hammer is just huge really hits really hard and gamma 9 really did not stand a chance against this uh this this robot i would love to get your thoughts on on seeing chomp for for the first time what I thought was so interesting was after the fact finding out the the LiDAR system was not operational for this match. They were not able to get it working just because they had some, apparently some weird interference with their armor plates, um, not allowing them to actually see objects with the LiDAR. So all of these incredibly accurate hits were because of Yasha and... Um, you know, Yasha was a, a Hammerbot driver in the classic series. So I guess that experience really shined through. These were massive hits. Uh, and Luke, as you predicted, that dome was 100% crushed in this fight. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of damage on Gamma 9 after the fight. They, they posted kind of um, like their, their damage photos. Um, and... Chomp's hammer really cracked through that top plate, and um, and really messed up a lot of things that are underneath the the dome. Um, I guess in my mind, I, I'd always imagined that there's just like a little Batman who's just sitting underneath the dome, and it's just for for decoration. But actually, if you smash through it, like there's a pretty important gear, you know, that uh, sits underneath that dome that uh, you definitely don't want to uh, to lose if you're if you're Gamma Nine. I I'm curious. Which bot you think is more expensive, Chomp or Malice? Chomp. <laughs> Chomp. How expensive is Chomp? Okay, if Malice is $86,000, how much money do you think it costs to make Chomp? Oh, gosh, too many dollars. I mean, they had that whole custom, like, uh, pneumatic system. There was how many billets did they end up having to use for all those leg components? 
Yeah. Oh god, I mean Chomp has got to be at least a buck 50. Really? You oh. think so? I mean, look at that thing. The way those legs are machined. Although right. all that at their shop. You know what I mean? Like they have the the facility to like do they don't have to order it from China. Is I guess what I'm saying. Mm. You mean like through through applied invention. They yeah. have a, the ability to kind of water cut all of that stuff and and they've got five axis machine routers and they you know what I mean like they've got CNC lathes and mills they they've got everything they need there to like do it so I'll bet the actual cost um cost. like yeah. physical dollars going out of their bank accounts is probably significantly less just because they have access to those tools and don't have to pay a shop mm. to do it right right it, it looks complicated and beautiful and like. Uh, I, I can't even imagine if you were to recreate it with just their their CAD. I, I even one hundred fifty thousand sounds 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 low to me. I love that they uh, also had um, their unconventional sponsors listed on the bot, which oh, I should have remembered, but I think it was like grandma, uh, mom, and or grandma, like aunt, and daycare listed on the on the front of the bot as uh, as their sponsors because let's not forget they have literally a baby at home that they that they had to care for and raise while also creating this other robot baby and so to give the shout out to their family um you know who who really helped make this possible i think was really nice to see and uh, that, that that made me smile. Oh, uh, see, I I assume that Grandma cut a check for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what grandmas do, right? <laughs> Mine just gave me chocolate, but yeah, just uh, stuff stuff money right into your pocket on on the way out the door um, for <laughs> for your robots with your friends. Um, okay, on over to our uh, controversial match of the night. It seems like twenty twenty has one controversial match at least every every uh, every episode so this this was certainly it malice versus shatter um so unlike beta versus rotator you know shatter came out and within seconds had fired their hammer and in their very first hammer strike they shattered malice's uh weapon chain and uh lost their hammerhead and what we saw was another two and a half minutes of, of driving, you know, after that, but with both weapons pretty um, ineffective. Shatter's little um, hammer arm was working just fine. And um, later team captain Adam Wrigley said that they fired that hammer arm another 80 times in the match and landed uh, strikes, you know, 70 out of those 80 times, which is pretty remarkable. But apparently, Malice showed more aggression and control and won a split judge's decision. Um, maybe maybe also won on some damage points. I'm not sure because BattleBots didn't publish their, their um, scorecards after the match. Um, your thoughts on this controversial judge's decision? You know, does it still sting as much as it did a week and a half ago? Um, as you reflect on it, you know, do you think that the judges got it right in calling it for malice? I told you Shatter would have fired their hammer. Heck yeah, you did. And you were uh, right. Yeah, I mean, of course they were. They would. They, they love firing that thing. They don't care what they fire it into. They'll just bend it all up. Like, 
Remember uh, how bent their hammer arm was for their robot that they brought to um, Motorama the year that we went because yeah. they just kept firing it into active weapons. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I like that gusto. Um, this this decision didn't hurt as much for me, but probably because I'm becoming emotionally numb to uh, <laughs> these kinds of injustices at this point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Chris and Lindsay, uh, I know that you felt pretty strongly after the beta rotator match. Like, is this as strong, I guess, a feeling, uh, shatter versus malice? I mean, it's really, it's the last debate upside down Yeah, and like, and mirrored. Um, I'm, I, you know, I really don't have a lot to say about the match other than shatter brought exactly what beta didn't. Um, and was maybe penalized for it. I don't know. Um, I, uh, I, I think that really the match had to have come down to the, uh, the control and aggression um, as one weapon had been disabled by another weapon. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming then that the damage points, at least one more, is being given to, to Shatter. Um, I don't, I don't really, I didn't really, it, the only difference between this match and the last was that, um, in, in lieu of some devastating hammer strikes, we did see a bot that was able to really muscle another bot. And I don't really think that we saw that in this match. Hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I, uh, I just, I have to leave this one to the judges. Uh, I, I question it and I, I don't have to like it, but I guess it is what it is. In in terms of aggression, I mean, this goes back now to, to the fight with Beta. Um, you know, obviously they were aggressive, but you can't really claim that they were aggressive with their weapon. And so there's some debate, there's some confusion on what the rule actually means when it says you have to show aggression with your, with your weapon. Um, because aggression can also come in other forms. So it, it's a little unclear even the way that the rules are written. But in this match, I mean... Malice could no longer be aggressive with their weapon because it it wasn't working and 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 because of its like how it's designed it can't really do much when it's not working. Mm. Whereas Shatter, um, obviously, it's not going to do a whole lot of damage without the the hammer head. But I I think you could still argue that you know their weapon was still technically working and by firing it eighty times. That seems aggressive to me. Um, so I, it just, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard to know exactly um, what what elements uh, go into the judging sometimes, even even with the rules being fairly detailed. Um, it, it surely felt to me like Shatter had won. Um, but, you know, without seeing the scorecards, we just kind of have to guess as to what the judges saw. But I do kind of think, like, if you're beta, you're going to say, all right, so you just proved me right. Like, I don't have to fire my hammer um, and I can win because look what happened to Shatter. They they did a great job in the match. They I don't know if they dominated the way that, that beta did, but they certainly, like, held their own. And they fired their hammer and did a lot of damage but still lost. So if I was Beta, I would say, all right, so you guys kind of proved me right. 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I feel like Shatter came out of the starting square intending to hit Malice's weapon chain and break it. That was their goal, and they achieved that goal. Where Malice, you know, because it's got those big holes at the top of Purple Pain, like the it looks like the hammerhead got kind of stuck and then twisted off and with just the huge amount of kind of kinetic energy that was already inside of that weapon, um, even though the the chain was broken, it was able to snap off the hammerhead, which seems to me like more like it's not part of their design, right? Um, Like their design is to go head on into you and try and break something that way, not really kind of exist and, and, and chop off hammerheads, you know? Um, So it, seemed to me like Shatter was more intentional, I guess, with their damage versus Beta Rotator where, you know, Beta was spinning around and managed to kind of clip their their hammerhead off um, accidentally, you know. Um, so I, I don't know, like it, it felt like, like it was not consistent. Um, so that, that, that's tough for me. Um, I, I did kind of end the match thinking that that Shatter had won. So, um, so yeah, another kind of head scratcher, I guess, for for uh, the judging criteria. Okay, on to our main event, Bloodsport versus Endgame. Both bots came to this match searching for their second win of the season. Endgame was slightly favored to win after convincingly defeating Tombstone earlier in the season in their first main event. Bloodsport had a tough road to climb, and team captain Justin Marple said in his interviews that he entered the match feeling like an underdog. But Bloodsport, super tanky bot, able to dish out huge hits with this 80-pound overhead bar and continue to run. In their post-fight recap, Endgame described three areas where uh, they saw failures in their robots and uh, said that their goal is to kind of quickly fix those three Uh, weaknesses before they continue on in the tournament. I think that it's safe to say that both Bloodsport and Endgame have already earned their spots in the top 32, while Bloodsport is making a pretty convincing case for top seeding currently in the top 32. Your thoughts on this main event? What a good match this was. Um, Bloodsport's scary. What was great was you know, seeing on social media how both of these builders, I guess they talk a lot, um, you know, offline or, or between the season about robots and give each other ideas and whatnot. So both of them had a very intimate knowledge of what the other one was bringing. And uh, it was so interesting that they both kind of felt they were underdogs going into this match. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it turned out beautifully. I mean, what a great fight. And, uh, you know, cheers to Bloodsport. Awesome win. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really bummed that I didn't go with my gut. I mean, I've been saying all along that I think Bloodsport could beat Fight Force. So I should have said that Bloodsport could beat Endgame, but I felt peer pressure from what everyone else was saying, and I went with Endgame. And Endgame, you know, held their own for a while, but Bloodsport is just punishing. They are so scary. What a bot. It's it's so fun to watch. And it's so fun to look at, too. Did you see the tail of the tape segment with uh, with Justin this week where he was talking about 
um, his self-writing bar and why they specifically designed that curve with a flatter profile so that their motors, which are geared for speed, uh, could still generate enough torque to flip the bot, the bot over. Um, That's the kind of thinking that Gigabyte needs, you know? Uh, <laughs> versus, <laughs> just a straight up in the air flagpole, you know? <laughs> it was so cool. I mean, like, for a team that really did seem like they did not know what they were doing last season, they are they look like pros. You know what I mean? They look like they've been doing this for a million years this season, and it's so cool to see. I think they're just constant fighting in, you know, the Beetleweight um, uh, arena, like, really has done them a lot of good because it, it seems like they never miss an opportunity to fight at Norwalk, to be at Motorama. They're just always there. They're always fighting, very similar to the to the Ribot guys. Um, and I think it, it really pays off. Yeah. Well said. And that's it for this week's predictions, news, and fight night recap. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we are traveling back to Boston, where the nightmare-inducing robots at Boston Dynamics have demonstrated that they can now dance better than most humans. In a video posted last week, two humanoid Atlas robots danced to the song Do You Love Me alongside the robot dog Spot and a giant robot ostrich named Handle. Uh, it is surely fascinating and extremely scary, and more than anything, incredibly, incredibly impressive that uh, human beings have come together to create something so uh, awesome in the truest sense of the word, but also something that will clearly destroy us in about three and a half years. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go, go search for it. It's on YouTube and it's being posted everywhere. Uh, for the first minute or so that Chris and I were watching it, we thought that it could have been CGI'd. We were like, there's no way that this robot is that smooth. <laughs> but sure enough, it was. And now, uh, and now that that's the thing we have to live with in the world. So hey. what did you guys think? Hey, Mark, put down the lobster roll. Get over here and look at these dancing robots. <laughs> <laughs> I can dance better than all of these robots. No, you cannot, Chris. No, you see, Luke, 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 Luke. This is clearly where you have a disconnect. You think that dancing with a rhythm is dancing no no no. it's all about the emotion right it's about how hard you can flail that's what dancing is mm, i i see okay got it got it the weird thing is that it almost despite the robots not having faces you could like feel the personality coming off these robots no, you couldn't. yes you could that was what was so scary i agree <laughs> it was like watching a room full of robotic serial killers that's it. It was smooth. I don't know. I want to see one of them doing that holding a margarita. <laughs> I I got goosebumps watching this video and then rewatching it and watching it again. Um, it's one of these videos where I am horrified, but I can't look away. Uh, like I love it, but also simultaneously really hate it. Um, it just is too uncanny 
and the robots are getting too good. And I, I just, like, I don't want to fight that giant ostrich, you know, out on the wastelands of Boston, you know, uh, someday when it's outfitted with a missile launcher and a laser. Um, Someone's been playing too much Fallout lately. It's, it's no good. I, I'm, 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 I love it, but I'm not into it. Now, have you been following? I think now Boston Dynamics, at least at least a, a portion of it, had been acquired by another company. Hyundai, is that right? Let me yeah, get it. Was Hyundai. Hyundai bought them, and it was the whole out per, or like wholesale purchase. Uh, they've had three owners, I guess, in the past like ten years. It was Google, and then SunBank, and now uh, Hyundai owns them. It's interesting that you know they're. The company itself is continuously seeing like this at a corporate level a turnover, but it's like every three or four years the company's technology is just like really catapulting. I do you? It wasn't even that long ago that when you think about it, that you would see a Boston Dynamics video of like you know a, a, like a like a nine foot tall robot connected to the ceiling with like. 40 straps and like someone be like look it can take two steps and then it falls over and like that blew my mind right and that Remember wasn't that long could jump over boxes and everybody was like whoa yeah <laughs> or, or how about that how about that video where someone kept pushing it to the ground with a hockey stick all right they remember that they're like they're like whales is that why they put so much emotion into this dance because they remember that abuse and they translated that to art Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> my wife, who is a trained dancer, watched this, and her first question was, Who was the choreographer? Which I thought was an interesting <laughs> question. I haven't been able to find that information. Um, but yeah, like this was incredibly well choreographed, not just the programming, like, right, but the actual dancing was incredibly well choreographed. What a weird company. Like this had to have taken so much time um, for a YouTube video, essentially. But you know that that they're trying to sell a a less scary robotic future, uh, and I'm not sure if they're succeeding. <laughs> Do we know who's like at the top of Boston Dynamics? Like, is it a scary like Elon Musk type figure, or is it like a like, do we know anything about this person and what their motives are? <laughs> no, I do know that Elon um, shared this video on his Twitter um, and was very excited about it. So, uh, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, founded by Mark Raybert, who is 71 years old and longtime roboticist, educated at MIT, which is probably why it was built in Boston. You know, like, so Hyundai, Hyundai bought Boston Dynamics for $1.1 billion. And that seems low to me because they have now an ostrich that can dance. Um, and, you know... <laughs> We bought Instagram for a billion dollars when it was like 13 people. You know what I mean? Like uh, you, you would think it's, it's worth more. I, 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 w I was talking to, um, to my girlfriend about this tonight over dinner. And I was saying, 
I think that they probably turn down more contracts, you know, than they accept because if they put a machine gun on one of these ostriches, you know, like it would be a $100 billion company. If a um, bot was armed, it would be the most terrifying thing in the entire world with that crazy, like, Oh yeah, no, that would be terrible. Yeah. Right. With, with that, like that, that, that neck, you know, that comes out that are, with the articulating head on it. Yeah. Imagine if there was a handgun on that. No, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. They could sell a spot to literally every police department and fire department in the country. I mean, they're only what? $75,000. Like police departments spend less than that on tanks. Right. Uh. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there is probably somebody running this company who is very deliberately choosing, you know, not to go down the militarized route. Um, but then again, I mean, like you, you never want to kind of, you know, put that decision in the hands of just c- civilians in a private company, you know, um, crazy. Yeah. I, I like the, uh, the Asimov, uh, three laws of robotics. But the first law being a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Yeah, but we have we have military robots all the time. You know, like what what's a drone? It's just a giant flying battle bot in the sky. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, wasn't there like the first confirmed police killing with a robot like what, three years ago where they like placed a bomb on a bomb squad robot and sent it in after a suspect? Jeez, yeah. It happens. I feel like they might have hacked that solution. Um, they and, did, and technically, that's a remote-controlled device, not a, a you know autonomous robot. But still, yeah. Well, geez, this this whole conversation's a bummer, and that's about <laughs> it for us today. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna end this one on a high note. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll have another episode for you next week. And also look forward to some great new BattleBots Bounty Hunters content from Behind the Bots. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye. I'm loving all of this alliteration. Bye. Stay safe.